Why don't you open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 4. And we're going to get into the word of God today. Luke chapter 4. Hallelujah. Praise his holy name. Luke chapter 4, I want to uh, start reading, reading with verse 16. It's talking about Jesus here. Uh, Jesus had just been baptized in the Jordan River. The scripture says he was filled with the Spirit. And that he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness, wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And then after that, he returned in the power of the Spirit. And then he comes to his hometown, stands up in the synagogue, and, and we see this unfold that we're about to read. Verse 16 says, So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim Liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. <coughs> you know, I wanted to read a portion of that to you from the Amplified Version of the Bible, where it says, um, he has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, those who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. To proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. I love that last line there. Talking about the free favors of God profusely abounding. That tells you something about the character of our God. He's not chintzy. He's not cheap. Not only are his favors free. <laughs> They profusely abound. There's an abundance of them. That says something about the character of God. The, the, the fact that uh, he daily loads you with benefits. The fact that when you ask for wisdom, he said he'll give it to you and he'll give it to you liberally. You can learn a whole lot about God's character, about what he's like by examining that. I love the words of one preacher who said his name is El Shaddai, not El Chipo. Hey, hallelujah. But, but we see here, 
what Jesus said he was anointed to do. He was anointed to preach, to heal, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord or the year of the Lord's favor. Now, it's interesting. How how do you proclaim liberty to the captives? How do you proclaim recovery of sight to blind people? You know, uh, if you're going to proclaim liberty to a captive, it's not a matter of you going up to somebody and saying, Hey, you, you really need to get free. Don't you know that? That's not the message of the gospel. The, the message that Jesus brought, because, you know, if you got half sense, you know you need to be free. I mean, you, you know, a, a lot of people... Uh, uh, are in a mess and they know they're in a mess just don't know how to get out but the great news of the gospel and what Jesus was proclaiming was actually to proclaim to those who were bound that they were free but but wait a minute Jesus you don't understand I'm bound and Jesus said oh no you don't understand you're free hey hey and what, what a beautiful picture it is. Because not only is that what Jesus did to us to come and proclaim to us that we've been set at liberty. He came and proclaimed liberty to the captives. But also we see this, that this is not just the ministry of Jesus himself. But this is still the ministry of Jesus today that is being carried out through his body, the church. Understand this, that what we're living in now is the continuation of the ministry of Jesus. You know, Luke, who wrote the gospel of Luke, also wrote the book of Acts. And in Acts 1-1, when he gets started there, he's writing to the, the same fellow he wrote the, the gospel to, uh, a man named Theophilus. And he says to him, that, that other book, Theophilus, I wrote to you, that was about what Jesus began to do and to teach. So what we see in the gospel of the ministry of Jesus, according to Luke, was the beginning of what Jesus was doing and teaching. We see the continuation of that. In the book of Acts. But I'm telling you this. That the book of Acts. I believe by divine design. Does not have a benediction at the end of it. There, there's not a point where you can say. You know like, like you see a, an epistle getting wrapped up in the Bible. You look at the very last verse of the epistle. And it says. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. There's not an amen yet on the book of Acts. Because as far as God sees things, it's still supposed to be happening today. And for it to be any other way, Jesus would have to be different. Jesus 
can't be different because Jesus does not change. Hey, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when, when we look at this, we need to understand that that's not just the ministry that was solely part of what Jesus did. And we don't have anything to do with that. But the real truth of the matter is that we're carrying on the same ministry. And I want you to know that the body of Christ is anointed to do what the Christ, the head, was anointed to do. Hallelujah. And so that's why the, the uh, title of our message today is Anointed to Proclaim Liberty. Anointed to proclaim liberty. Let's talk about liberty and freedom. We see it mentioned here twice. The idea of proclaiming liberty to the captives, setting at liberty those that are oppressed. But uh, there's uh, several scriptures in Isaiah that I'm going to refer to. Uh, And it's interesting because it gives a good contrast between our old master and our new master. Our old master being Satan, but our new master being the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Isaiah is a great book. There's so much about Jesus in the book of Isaiah that that's, some people have called Isaiah the fifth gospel. Because it is loaded, absolutely loaded with, with so much good stuff in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, in Isaiah 14, uh, Isaiah is making a reference to, to Lucifer. Or to Satan. And uh, uh, talks about him for several verses. And then he makes this statement in verse 17. Isaiah 14. He says concerning Lucifer. That he did not open the house of his prisoners. That's what your old master was like. He got you in jail. As far as he was concerned. Won't he keep you in jail? But Isaiah 61 in verse 1, which is where Jesus was reading from over in Luke 4, says that our new master is anointed to do this, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. So the old master... Isaiah 14, 17 says that he wasn't going to open the house of his prisoners. He's going to lock you in there and throw away the key. But then somebody came along with the keys of David. And you say, what are the keys of David? Well, I can tell you this about them. They're described like this. When you're using the keys of David, and Jesus got them. When you shut, no man can open And when you open, no man can shut. Those are some pretty good keys, I tell you that. (laughs) And so what Jesus has done is he's opened the prison to those who are bound. Now you understand that you're anointed to do the same thing. We know Jesus said, Pastor John has referred to it recently on Wednesday nights, John 14, 12. Where he says, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, 
The works I do, will you do and greater works than these because I go to the Father? But it's interesting, why don't you go to 1 John for a minute? I want you to see something else. So we see that Jesus has stated that those who believe in him will do the same works. So the works that we see in Luke 4, proclaiming liberty to the captives, setting at liberty those who are oppressed, we're called by Jesus to do the same works. But go to 1 John 2. There's a few things I want you to see there. First John 2 verse 20 says this. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Verse 27, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. You know, as I was praying yesterday about this morning, something that I really heard inside of me is very simple, but but I, I, I don't think we fully realize it. But I want to tell you this. You are anointed. You are anointed. And the anointing that's inside of you, the scripture says, that it's true and not a lie. Well, what a coincidence, since we're talking about liberty and freedom here. Because if the anointing is true and not a lie, if this anointing has to do with truth, well, what does truth do? What does truth do to people? Hey, yeah. Remember the words of Jesus? So the anointing can make people free. Because it's the truth. See, it's great. The the word and the spirit are one. We've got the word. Thank God for the word. But this word was authored by the spirit. And so we also learned this. Anybody that says that they're hearing from the spirit, if they really are, they're going to be saying something that lines up with the word. Because the Spirit authored the Word. And if somebody says the Spirit's saying something, but it doesn't line up with what the Spirit said here, then you know the Spirit's not saying that. So the anointing that's inside of you, 
the scripture says it's not a lie, it's the truth. It's of the spirit of truth. It's a substance that can cause you to be free. And when it flows out of you, bring freedom to others. God has put the goods inside of you to make you free and to make others free. You are anointed to proclaim liberty and to set at liberty. You are anointed by the spirit of liberty to proclaim the law of liberty. Are you ready to dig in? Let me say that last thing again. You are anointed by the spirit of liberty to proclaim the law of liberty. So, we're going to look at three particular things today. First of all, that God's word is a means by which liberty and freedom is brought to people. That the anointing or or the Holy Spirit is a, a, a means by which liberty and freedom is brought to people. And then thirdly, we're going to see this. That our covenant is a covenant of freedom. Our covenant is a covenant of freedom. The covenant that we have with God. Has some things tied into it. Hey, hey. Some benefits tied into it. One of which is your total and absolute freedom. Total and absolute liberty. So I want you to know today that no matter what kind of bondage you've experienced in your life. No matter what you've struggled with, no matter what you've dealt with, what we're going to declare from the word of God today is your emancipation proclamation. Oh, yes. (laughs) Let me tell you something. I remember a story that a minister named Bob Gass told right here in this very place. Uh, Bob used to come and preach here every year and uh, not now his, his ministry has changed and is really focused in on ministering in the nation of Romania. Saving children's lives off the street out of the sex slave trade and getting them hooked up with good families that will look out for them and raise them up in the things of the Lord. Great ministry. But he, he told the story about this, this bear that was in, in a circus. In a cage that was 12 foot long. And he talked about this bear would go 12 feet this way and 12 feet back. 12 feet this way and 12 feet back. Because this bear was in a cage. But eventually, the bear was delivered from the circus. 
But the bear still went 12 feet this way and 12 feet back. What am I saying to you? I'm saying this to you, that you can be as free as anybody else is in Christ and still be thinking like a slave. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, let me read something to you. This is a good one to write down. This is out of uh, Nehemiah. Chapter 9, verse 36. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. But this is an interesting verse to to remember. Nehemiah 9.36, out of the New Living Translation, says this. So now today we are slaves in the land of plenty that you gave our ancestors for their enjoyment. We are slaves here in this good land. Imagine being in a land of plenty, a land of abundance, a land where you can have everything you need. And yet here, here, here they are proclaiming, here we are, we're slaves in the land of plenty. And I want you to know that you're a slave no longer. That, that's what I'm doing by proclaiming liberty to you as Jesus has proclaimed liberty. By proclaiming liberty to you, I'm letting you know what you're doing in the jail when the jail door is open. What you're doing walking 12 feet one way and 12 feet the other way. Acting like you're still in the cage when Jesus already did something about the cage. So you see, freed slaves must renew their minds to not think the same old way anymore, but to learn to think like they're free. And you can get into such a pattern because of the bondage that you were in, in your life, where you think a certain way, see life a certain way, see the world a certain way. And it's a paradigm in your mind that that keeps you 12 feet one way, 12 feet back. It keeps you in a certain mindset and a certain way of doing things. And a certain way of uh, viewing the whole world, viewing other people, viewing yourself. But I say to you today that we are going to learn to think like free people, act like free people. Because we are free people. Not going to be free people. Not potentially can be free people. You are. Right now. I proclaim liberty. To you. I'm anointed to do it. Because I'm a member of the body of Christ. And Christ was anointed to do it. And I'm anointed to do it. And so are you. Tell somebody they're free. Look at somebody next to you. Say, you're free. (laughs) 
So here we go. We're going to get into these three things that, that establish to us uh, our liberty and our freedom in Christ. God's word, God's spirit or his anointing, and the fact that this covenant that we have is a covenant of freedom. You know the, the uh, words of James chapter 1, of course a uh, very common verse that the many have heard before out of James 1 is verse 22, which says, but be doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. But then down a little bit after that, in verse 25, it says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. Talking about the word. Calling it the perfect law of liberty. The law that sets men free. Mm. And continues in it. Remember that? Key word, continue. And is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. So look into the perfect law of liberty. And continue in it. Don't be forgetful hearer. But be a doer of the work. And you'll be blessed in what you do. Of course you tie that into what Jesus said in John chapter 8. Where he said, if you continue in my word. You'll be my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8, 31 and 32. So we see that there. That if we continue in the perfect law of liberty, that's what we got to do. Continue. And you know, there's many who do not enjoy the benefits of their freedom because they don't continue in the law of liberty. They're as free as anybody else as far as God's concerned, but they're not enjoying their benefits because they've not continued. As a matter of fact, you know, I I think of somebody, uh, you know, a, a scenario where someone is looking to overcome sin in their life. And so by continuing in the law of uh, liberty, that, that means that they're taking what they see and they're continually applying it. Continually meditating on it. They're staying on it, staying on it, staying on it. So the person who wants to get rid of uh, a certain sin in their life may go over to Romans 6 and, and see the verse that says, Reckon yourself dead to sin and alive to God. And so they're going along for a while. But then they say, yeah, but it really don't seem that way. Because it seems like I'm more alive to the sin and dead to God than the other way around. But what does the word say? Oh, yeah, that's right. Dead to sin and alive to God. And go along a little while. Yeah, but. It just feels like I'm more alive to sin. Because I haven't beat it yet. The way I think I ought to beat it. And, and, and so, so you see, there, there's always the, 
the work of the enemy to try to get you to yeah but the word is that a word that should be a word yeah but And, and and whenever you get to the point where you start saying, yeah, but, then what you're doing, <laughs> you're not continuing in the Word. As a matter of fact, somebody once said, <laughs> uh, one of the greatest sermons in the world that could be preached is called, How to Get Your Butt in the Right Place. <laughs> and their idea was this, instead of saying, well, I know God said that, but the doctor said Turn it around and say, I know the doctor said, but God. So that, that's, that's a great word for you. A great revelation. How to get your butt in the right place. Come on now. But, but the, the idea of saying, yeah, but. And questioning. Can, can get you to not be continuing. Not be going forward and, and making advancement and sticking with it. As a matter of fact, you know the scripture says about the word. God's word is like a, a fire and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. The prophet Jeremiah said that. So think about this. Mm-mm-mm-mm. You got a hammer in your hand. It's the word. And you're applying the hammer to the rock, whatever the rock is. Whatever you are uh, looking to experience the fullness of your victory in an area of life. Now what's going to break? Is the rock going to break? Or is the hammer going to break? According to the Bible, the rock's going to break. But yet you've got a lot of people that say, well, I tried using the hammer on the rock and the hammer don't work. Well, you know what's happening? They're not continuing in it. Because when you're continuing in it, you just keep on slamming that rock, keep on slamming that rock, keep on slamming that rock with the hammer of the word. And if the enemy comes and whispers in the ear, say, are you tired of slamming that hammer? You ain't getting anywhere. What are you going to say? Are you going to put down the hammer and go home and cry and say it doesn't work? Are you going to look at the devil and say, oh, yeah, you think so? Well, let me tell you, it's hammer time again. And keep on hammering. Keep on hammering. Keep on hammering. Knowing that something's going to give is not going to be the hammer, it's going to be the rock. Continue in the law of liberty. Come on now. That don't mean go for a little while and fizzle out. Go for a little while and say, oh, I just don't, don't seem like I'm getting anywhere. No, just stick with it. Hallelujah. You know, Psalm 119, verse 45, the, the psalmist said, I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. Whoa, I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. I seek your word. And there is liberty in the word. Psalm 107, verse 20 says, he sent his word 
and healed them and delivered from them from destruction. So there is liberty in the word. Healing and deliverance in the word. And along the lines of the word, what does the word say regarding our liberty? What does the word say? You know, it's, it's interesting. Let me share something with you. This is very important. Because there is genuine spiritual warfare. But what a lot of people have called spiritual warfare is really just doing something in the flesh rather than doing it in the spirit. I understand what I'm saying. You know the Bible says in Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, might and dominion. Um, you know, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So, people have read that and said, oh, we need to get to wrestling. And they've never read what the rest of the New Testament says about principalities and powers. Now, if you take the time to look, you'll see in Colossians 2 and verse 15 that Jesus says, spoiled principalities and powers. As a matter of fact, the, the wording of that in the New King James Bible is that he's disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them. So, all right, yep, we're wrestling with principalities and powers, but now I know something else about them. They've been disarmed. They're spoiled. Then I realized this. That Ephesians 1 also, uh, Ephesians 1 also shows us this, that Christ is seated at the right hand of God in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power. So, well that's good for Christ, but what about me? Well, wait a minute. Just in case you didn't remember, let me remind you about something. Is that you were crucified with him, buried with him, quickened together with him, raised together with him, and seated with him in heavenly places. So if Christ is far above all principality and power, then you also are far above all principality and power because you're all in the same place. So now, we think of wrestling, but, but we don't think of wrestling in the same way now. Because now we've got this understanding that, that the principalities and powers we're wrestling have already been whooped, disarmed. And the fact that we are far above and that they are way down there. But we are far above. And so you see, by looking at the whole context of what the scriptures has to say about something, this wrestling match, we now realize, is a fixed fight. And it's fixed in your favor. (laughs) 
So, so we, we, we see that now. And, and if we just looked at wrestling, then we, we may not even know if we've got the goods to, to, to uh, win the wrestling match. We, we may not even know what angle we're coming from. Uh, you know, or, or what the, what the enemy's got or what he can do. But then when you put it all together, you see that you have a supreme advantage over your enemy where you're not looking to fight to win victory, but your warfare is really more maintaining victory than obtaining it. Because Jesus has already obtained it for you. Sounds like proclaiming liberty to the captives, doesn't it? How else can you proclaim liberty to the captives? Well, you can tell the words of 1 Corinthians 2.6. Where it says of the rulers of this age, the, the, the spiritual rulers of this age... That they're coming to nothing. Some other translations say it a little differently. That they come, the rulers of this age who have come to naught. You know what naught means? Nothing. Can you say nothing? Nothing, honey. <laughs> so, so, you know, here you are. You, 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 you know, you've heard of Zorro. When you're dealing with the enemy, you're dealing with zero. Come on now. See, when you realize this, that this is how you can proclaim liberty to the captives. Because this is not something that's going to be done. What you're doing is you're letting people know what's already been done. And then, of course, 1 John 3, 8 says this. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Let's talk about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And then he started talking about what he was anointed to do. Acts 10.38 talks about what Jesus was anointed to do. And it says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. That's what he was anointed to do. There's something about the anointing of the Holy Spirit that sets people free. Turn to 2 Corinthians 3. Here's something you need to see for yourself. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Glory be to God. So how, how can I enjoy my freedom? How can I bring freedom to others? You can proclaim it. Tell it. Tell them what's already been done for them in Christ. 
Tell yourself what's already been done for you in Christ. Not something that is out there somewhere, but what's already done. The finished work of Christ. That's the message that liberates captives. The anointing, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17, says, Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Well, then let me ask you a question. Where is the Spirit of the Lord? Inside of you? If you're here today, a born-again believer, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And if where he is, there is liberty, and he is inside of you, that means there is liberty inside of you. So you've got The perfect law of liberty in your heart and in your mouth. And then you've got the spirit of the Lord within you and upon you. And where he is, there is liberty. So you see, once again, the word and the spirit, they're one. They're in perfect agreement. The word is the law of liberty and the spirit is the spirit of liberty. In perfect agreement with each other. In agreement about what? In agreement about getting the word to you and getting you into the full reality of your freedom and liberty in Christ. Hallelujah. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, um, Isaiah wrote this in chapter 10, verse 27. He said, it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from off your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Now that word yoke is not talking about the middle of your egg now. <laughs> it's talking about what, what would be called a yoke of oxen. The, the, uh, uh, what, what would keep, keep the oxen in place. And keep them where they, there's a yoke around their neck. They they may want to try to go somewhere else, but they can't. Because that yoke is intended to contain them. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Is there something about the anointing of the Holy Spirit that can destroy a yoke of bondage 
absolutely, positively affirmative. Yes. As a matter of fact, why don't you go to Romans 8? Romans chapter 8. Oh, hallelujah. Romans 8 says this over in verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Look at verse 15. Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Verse 15 clearly tells us that the spirit of adoption that we receive from the Lord is opposite to the spirit of bondage that we were once in. Which tells me real clear that the spirit that's been given to us now is not a spirit of bondage. It's a spirit of liberty. Glory be to God. Do you have the law of liberty in your heart and in your mouth? Do you have the spirit of liberty within you and upon you? And do you know that your covenant is a covenant of freedom? Interesting. Let me read some Old Testament references to you. Isaiah 42, 6 and 7. This is speaking about Jesus, speaking prophetically about Jesus. Isaiah 42, 6 and 7. He said, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles. To open blind eyes, sound familiar? Recovery of sight to the blind. To bring out prisoners from the prison. And those who sit in darkness from the prison house. Think about this, that the Lord said about Jesus that he was giving Jesus as a covenant to the people. Uh, New and everlasting covenant, anybody ever heard that term? And that tied into this covenant is the opening of blind eyes, the bringing out of prisoners from the prison... And the bringing out of those who are sitting in darkness in the prison house. Zechariah 9 and verse 11. And this statement just falls a few verses down from where Zechariah prophesied of Jesus' triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. And he says this in verse 11. As for you also. Because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. That's Zechariah 9, 7. Because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Glory be to God. So you see connections here. 
between this covenant we've got with God and our freedom and our liberty. This covenant is set up for you to enjoy liberty and not to stay in bondage, not to stay in a pit, not to stay in in darkness, not to stay in blindness, but to open your blind eyes, come out of your prison and experience all the blessing God's ordained for you. As we close today, go to Luke 13. And we're going to wrap this baby up. Luke 13. Our covenant is a covenant of freedom. Our covenant is a covenant of freedom. Luke 13. Let's start with verse 10. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. And was bowed together. Imagine that. And could in no way lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said to the people, there are six days in which men ought to work in them. You can come and be healed, but not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, you hypocrite does not each one of you on the Sabbath Loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to watering. And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Notice what Jesus said here in verse 16. He called this woman, and rightfully so, because she was a daughter of Abraham. And if she's a daughter of Abraham, that means she's got a connection with covenant. Just like we've got the connection with covenant by being in Christ. You remember Galatians chapter 3 that if you be Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So the fact that this is a descendant of Abraham means she's connected to the covenant that Abraham had with God. And of course, 
a big part of that covenant was that in his seed, all the families of the earth would be blessed. And that seed was purposefully put singular, not plural. He was talking about one seed in particular, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Jesus, all the families of the earth are blessed. So so we see the connection with covenant there. But what Jesus is saying here that we need to get as we leave today is that people who are in covenant should be loosed and not bound. Jesus said, ought not this woman, seeing that she's a daughter of Abraham, a daughter of the covenant, whom she's been bound by Satan for these 18 years, shouldn't she be loosed even on the Sabbath day? If you're going to loose your donkey or loose your ox, how about loosing people? In other words, what Jesus was saying about this daughter of the covenant, she's not supposed to be this way. She's not supposed to be bound. She's not supposed to be bent over. She's supposed to be free. Because the covenant makes provision for people to be free. In every sense of the word free. In every sense of the word at liberty. It's a provision of the covenant. She's not experiencing what is hers. She's not supposed to be like this. She's supposed to be like this. And I want you to look at the conditions in your life. Whether it's a condition of your body, a condition of your soul, a condition of a relationship, whatever it is. And I tell you, sometimes it's about time we get a little feisty and say, it's not supposed to be this way. And proclaim a little liberty to yourself. You find people that are in all kinds of conditions and situations. And to be able to say to them, it's not supposed to be this way. You're supposed to be free. You and I are anointed to proclaim liberty to the captives. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness today. We honor you and give you glory. We thank you, Lord, that you have set us free. And whom the Son has set free is free indeed. 